I gaze out onto my second home, sometimes I call my office. I stand at the top of a hill. It is dusk. The wind is brisk, cold, and regular. I step between the gravestones, beads in my hand that I will offer to this place. There is only birds in this graveyard, yet the city is completely abuzz around it, but nobody ventures here. I see some old gravestones, some new, but mostly very old. I pass a gravestone that I pass quite frequently of a young man who died in 91 and was born in 73. The picture is still crisp and clean on the gravestone and the same offering of plastic flowers flutters gently in the breeze like it has every single time that I've been here. Never renewed. Plastic. There's a smattering of trees, overcast of clouds. I see an evergreen, see tall oaks, a couple mesquite, but mainly a garden of stones. I walk towards the center of a crossroads in the graveyard that I've worked at before. A very effective ritual. I can still see a small hole, one that I dug long ago. I stop and look at this hole and I'm quite surprised that it's still here. Of course, there's not a lot of traffic, is there? Some gravestones are leaning quite awkwardly. I resist the urge to write them. I think that sometimes they should sit as they would. It's not a big graveyard. A lot of dead grass in this winter. American flags here and there. And I never feel lonely when I'm in places like this. It's amongst other people that I feel lonely often, but never here. For I have the endless court in my mind. Various pieces of myself who walk with me here in this stone garden. Still have the beads in my hand. I walk towards uh, a very small one to two person mausoleum that is above surface of the ground. In front of it, I still see a black handkerchief that I made an offering upon at its door to the spirits of this place. I avoid that section and I turn left and continue circling back kind of towards my car. A few birds seem very active. 
Odin's ravens, perhaps. And I stroke the beads in my hand. A certain gravestone catches my eye. Old, yet very crisp. A woman born in 1897 and died in 1928. Still really young. This gravestone reads, Gone from our home, but not from our hearts. I lay the string of opal beads that I've been carrying on top of this gravestone an offering I put down my paper bag I take out the cinnamon marble pound cake that was just a little too old to give to St. Expedite but I would still eat it so I can offer it to the spirits and this gravestone is going to be the center point of today's offering and I set the pound cake at the foot of it. I take out my Florida water, an old kind of cologne, but a very powerful kind, steeped in long years of use. The brand still holds true to many practitioners. I'm ready to perform a circle of Florida water around this grave, and I say, you are not forgotten. None of you are. I pour Florida water around in a circle. You will always be in the hearts of the living, and I hope you are at rest. Be well, whatever state you are in, and hold not too closely to this world, but surrender it, as the world was forced to surrender you. Put the cap back on my Florida water. Take out a white candle. And I place it at the base of this gravestone. It's a short votive candle, glass, white. And I know that it's going to be very hard to light right now because of the wind but I will attempt to at any rate. It lights easily. Place it at the base of the grave and hope that it stays lit. I think it will. But now that I've made the offering, I gaze not at the stone or the offering anymore. I pack up my things and I walk away, not turning back. And now I'm heading back towards my car now that the offering has been made. And I also wonder how many of my candles are still around this graveyard try to leave them undisturbed and go to new graves every time. Helps me 
offer to more spirits, make them feel more at ease, and not just focus on one. I've decided to take you on this brief little jaunt in a graveyard, my favorite, my home away from home, as it were, um, because what I recorded earlier for why I am drawn to the dead, the recording is very, very bad quality, because I was not aware that my phone was still hooked up to my car, even though it was on the car at Mount, and it has very bad quality. At any rate, I'll place this at the beginning, and I will still provide you with the recording that I did. Uh, I will understand if you do not listen to the whole thing, because it is, it is, uh, it's a little harsh, but uh, if you do, I'd greatly appreciate it. And it seemed almost sacrosanct to try to do it again because it came out so well the first time and it felt right. The things that I talked about were important to me, so I've decided to not do it again. But I will share that recording with you. So bear with me and thank you for listening. Everyone, and welcome back to the spirituality and magic podcast i'm your host hunter salazar once again and um, i actually have my phone mounted up in my car right now while i drive don't worry it's mounted and it's out of the way and i don't have to touch it so i'm going to address a question that i've gotten before but one that i think needs to be addressed just in general maybe give some insight um why am i so drawn to the dead why do I feel myself wanting to, to communicate with them, to help them with um, wherever they are, or to pass on more fully? What draws me to this kind of shamanism, I, I, I guess I could say? Uh, you know, I think for the, to answer that, we have to go back just a little bit. So, you know, as a child, I had a lot of extreme emotions, and nobody really knew why, but I was also a major introvert. Um, I'm definitely an INFP when it comes to the Myers-Briggs test, but apparently I'm like a super introvert. Um, throughout my entire life, you know, I kind of learned to be an expert now, but throughout my entire life, I've always been more, um, interactive with ideas and deeper forces with, you know, within myself, but that ties back to, um, much larger forces. Uh, and... So I didn't really get along with other kids growing up, and uh, you know, it was later found out that of course I'm I've, I'm schizophrenic, and it was just kind of like kind of kicking in early on, but usually it kicks in around 22, is 15 for me. Um, and there's a lot of shamans out there who would fall under the title of schizophrenic, um, and uh, I think for Hispanic males, it's like one in one in three at the highest. At any rate, uh, so, you know, later on in my life, but after childhood, um, I started to get really intense hallucinations, especially when I was in rehab in the psych ward. This was, you know, I'm 28 now. This was over, this is about, this is over a decade ago. Um, I was of course, I was hallucinating, but a lot of the hallucinations were very strange. Um, well, hallucinations are usually strange, but the hallucinations I was having were 
of dead people walking around me. Um, one hanging in the shower a few times. Um, of shadows coming up near me. And at the time, you know, I was just telling myself it's not real. And I think that, you know, I was kind of individualized in that way because a lot of people who see stuff, they obviously think it's real because they're seeing it. But I was telling myself that it wasn't real to reassure myself in a way. And, uh, but deep down, I knew there was something more to what I was seeing. And later on, I kind of realized I was having so much trouble at that place and at my home with hallucinations. Um, later, I kind of got the feeling that dark, some dark force or dark forces, minor or major, I think that they wanted to take me out early on because they might not be able to do it later. Like right now, I'm strong enough and powerful enough in my past that the only, I don't think the vast majority of negative forces can harm me like they could when I didn't know what was going on or how to protect myself or anything like that. Uh, so I feel like these dark forces wanted to take me out early on because they knew they'd have trouble with me later. Now, uh, you know, throughout my life, I've always, I've always been interested in what people believe about death and where they go and, and why they believe that. And I think I wanted to find out for myself and learn from the dead, not just about death and where we go, um, but things that they knew that they did not, that didn't survive, that didn't survive the, um, after they died. Um, and I do have a very big level of compassion for the dead because um, a part of them is a part of them most of the time is stuck here for a while before it dissipates and I want to help that part move on I don't I can't imagine that kind of existence um, and you know ideally you want to work to a point where you're not attached enough to where you can move on completely and then you know you don't have soul fragmentation which I've discussed before uh, so I've, as I said I've always been very sensitive and very extreme emotions and I think that's what makes it easier for me to pick up on very subtle energy changes and communications from the dead it allows me to be more open on the inside because all I need is a tiny bit and then I can interpret it or uh, experience it whereas most people could not whether it be a voice whether it be a, a feeling whether it be an answer to a question whether it be whether it be a manifestation of some energy that I can see somewhat with my eyes or maybe complete with completely with my eyes. And, uh, yeah, before we go on, I just want to, uh, I just want to give a big shout out to, uh, one of our sponsors here because I love it. I love the, uh, I love this app. So, uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And we are back. Um, so, I think the first dead body that I saw in person was my great-grandmother's. And I remember her looking so... There was that lack of... It wasn't just that she wasn't moving or had been embalmed, but there was a, there was a definite... There was something missing. To it. it was just a shell. That might seem obvious. I'm like, of course, she's going to look different, but... I remember really sensing that there was some kind of hole um, 
within her very being that something had left. And, you know, a lot of the time I don't, I don't really get sad when, I don't get sad in the same way when something dies or someone dies. Um, I'm plunged into deep thought about that, that person or, or animal's existence. Um, and I, I try to, I try to think about their life and how they've lived it and how do they end up here and, you know, what they believed and if what they believe is going to happen. I, I try to ask all of these questions, um, within myself and I just try to really feel that, that identity that that person was. And see, I don't, I don't really, cry, I don't cry. I just, uh, I really recede into myself and start reaching out and asking questions. Um, but uh, it, it always looks a little weird to other people. I, I'll just like stand there looking at the person without moving. <laughs> it looks a little off. Um, but um, let's, let's talk about an animal that I had die recently. Well, basically uh, this was weeks ago, but I had to get her put down at home because her quality of life was awful and she was too old to withstand surgery that she needed and she couldn't breathe a lot of the time. So really waited a little too, too long. Medication wasn't working. Um, but when I remember when, when I, when I put her down, you know, I was just kind of like touching her and holding her and I felt the life go out of her, but I saw it, but, um, I don't, I wasn't sad in the same way. So I'm like, I was sad, but there's always that, I think there's just that part of me that's been thinking about death so long. I just accept it. And I understand that it had to happen. Um, it was definitely her time and my great grandmother's time, but, uh, yeah, I, just, I get this feeling of like as a conclusion to a life. Um, but also that there is something there that moved on. And in that process right there, the dying process, it's fascinating because I want to understand it. And I want to, I want to understand exactly how that which was there and now went somewhere else, exactly how the process happened. And this is why I've studied it, you know, a good amount. And I've been trying to reach out to the dead with a lot of success. And I, I think I know what life feels like. And at this point, I think I know what death feels like. And that transition in between is still fascinating to me. Um, I think curiosity, a desire to help the dead, and the natural inclination to really ask the questions and dwell on what most people don't want to dwell on, um, have led me to a point where, where I am attracted to the dead. Um, but when you are, when you, you know, when you go along the death current, I'm trying to call it the death current for now, even though it's not entirely accurate. Um, it's kind of a lonely path because it's a lonely path for anybody that deals with the dead because from the outside, it may seem like they're alone in a lot of ways. And from the inside, you know, you kind of, you kind of wish other people understood more about death. Um, that's one of the reasons I have a podcast YouTube channel, but, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a path that you have a whole congregation you're a part of, and, you know, you have your friends, and you, you have your supporters, and you have your associates, um, and, of course, I, of course, I have friends, (laughs) um, but, there's always something that my friends don't understand that I wish that they did, and it's almost impossible to teach. Something that you have to experience, what the dead feel like, and that they're always there all around us. You know, it's, that's said a lot, but it actually is true. They're all around us. Anywhere that you walk in the graveyard, uh, anywhere on Earth. So... Really, I'll find myself feeling the dead a lot of the time in places that you wouldn't imagine them being. And it's a remarkable feeling, and it it kind of makes me it kind of makes me feel like that line between life and death is is blurred. And I think that it's just I think our concept of death is a construct, a false construct that that as we develop as a species more, we'll start to realize that consciousness doesn't die, that the soul, that there is a soul, and that everything is in transition, but also in experience at the same time. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can contact me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Hunter Salazar. If you want to find me on Instagram, it's Veve Master. So V E V E M A S T A. And you can contact me, you can friend me, you can like my stuff, and I would love to have a conversation with you if you're more interested in the dead. At any rate, thank you very much, and I hope to hear from all of you in the future.